Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know what you sound? You know, you know how you sound? You sound refreshed. I would say, <laughs> I would say there's a refreshedness in your voice at this really? point. Really? Oh, yeah. All right. But yeah. is that maybe that's because uh, we haven't done this in like two months or three months or something. I think that's what it is. I think I think it's uh, because we have not done this in a while. There's just a new there's a new energy, a new excitement. Hmm. I mean, I don't believe you, frankly. <laughs> I, I think I sound exactly the way I always sound. But I, I like you yeah. just trying to assert that as fact and then just forcing people to agree I, with you, basically. The way the way I look at it at this point, all we have to do is assert. I mean, that's in, in yeah. the world today. Just assert something. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> do whatever you want. Um, yes, it has been a little while since we have done the podcast. Uh, we are doing this. This is sort of, I, I don't know if, if, uh, podcast listeners who have been berating me, by the way, berating me for not doing a pod. Have you been getting berated at all by podcast I've gotten, listeners? I've gotten some berating and most of the, a lot of the berating has come from Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman, <laughs> fan of the podcast, played Ron Swanson on Parks and Recreation. Has every I've I've been talking with him, texting with him a fair amount recently, and every time I do, he just says, "Also, when is the podcast coming back?" Like he's he's just like that's just a, like an uh, on the agenda every time we interact. He's uh, he he's he is not the only one, but he is he is the most prominent uh, person who has been upset. Uh, and of course, we've you know you've been extremely busy. I've been you know pretending to to be busy, and uh, but we've not been able to do it. <laughs> But we we are bringing the podcast back, so this is this is more of a promotional podcast. I want to say because we are bringing the podcast back July seventeenth. Uh, easy to remember, it is uh, All Star Game Tuesday. Uh, right. We're bringing it back, and we're gonna we are going to, and we're we are promising this with one hundred percent certainty. There's no no chance that this is going to get broken up at all because, as everybody knows about the podcast. We are consistent, right? I mean, we we just we we never let the people down. We're um, nothing if not consistent and reliable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are going to do it every two weeks. It will it will go on for 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 the the we are calling it the uh, podcast season, uh, which will go from July seventeenth to the end of the year. Every two weeks on Tuesdays. So, um, what are the chances? Seriously, what are the chances we keep that up? I don't know, but you know, we're going to try. I mean, the, the the interesting thing is that we've never the the reason we're doing this in part is because this has always been a sort of like catch as catch can yes. fly by night Mickey Mouse operation. <laughs> I would is that right? I would no, I think no, I would I, describe it as a Mickey true Mickey Mouse operation. True Mickey Mouse operation. Yeah, I yeah. would totally agree. With that. The truest sense of that colloquialism. <laughs> we are a Mickey Mouse operation. So what we're tr- attempting to do now is actually like have what you would call a season right? It's like a season of the podcast running from July 17th, the Tuesday of All-Star Weekend through the end of baseball season. Every two weeks on Tuesday, reliably, you will get a podcast. Now, will that actually happen? It's impossible to tell. There's, there's no way to know. <laughs> it, is, it is almost certainly not going to happen, but yes, no, we're going to try our best. We're, we're, we're going to try. try our best. We're going to try. We are going to try. So, uh, but it, it, you know, as long as we're here, as long as we're doing this, we might as well do our our, our little bonus podcast. And and they're really, they're really two topics that I think are are of essential uh, for us to discuss. Uh, one is, and this is a much smaller topic than the big topic we have to discuss. Um, 
is we should do a very a very brief Cleveland Browns update. Sure. Uh, so let's let's play that music. Let's check in. The Browns, as as uh, as you know, as you know, being a well, all right. But before before we do that, are we are we even going to talk about the NFL? Like, I mean, I, I've always in my mind been able to separate the Browns from the rest of the NFL, as the Browns have also been able to do separate themselves from the NFL. <laughs> um, but but it's it's more dismal than ever, right? I mean, it's just it's. I don't know. I just I feel you're saying the NFL is or the Browns. The NFL. Are. No, no, yeah, not the, the NFL Browns. is. No, the, yeah. I'd say the Browns are in the best position right now. They've been in in ten years or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, it's as as the NFL gets more dismal. You know, he, this would be the most Browns thing ever. I'm going to lay out a scenario for you. Tell me what you think of this. Okay. Browns this year, like everything works out. Like Baker Mayfield turns into something. And the and the draft picks hit, and the team kind of comes together, and they've got some, they've got a quarterback, and they've got some receivers, and they've got a running back, and and uh, and the defense steps up, and everybody's healthy, and Miles Garrett, everybody's healthy, and everything, and they let's they go like eight and eight, let's say, right. and they're like in it, they're they're like you know in playoff contention into like the second to last week of the season or something. Then they go into the off season, and they they do more smart things, you know they. They make some trades. They trade down out of the first round and they pick up a bunch of second rounders and blah, 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 blah. And basically, like the team like steadily improves and everybody thinks to themselves, who cares about the Browns? Oh my God, it's happening. It's actually happening. <laughs> this Browns team is headed to the playoffs. And basically, like somehow or another, exactly at the moment that they're like about to clinch the playoffs, like something truly awful happens in the in the league. Like there's some kind of giant scandal or some player gets so severely injured in a game that like the entire slate of games is canceled the next week. And like basically like the sport collapses, like <laughs> it's like everything, the entire NFL just gets shut down through scandal or, or injuries, whatever, or just in some kind of nightmare scenario at the moment, like as a Browns player is scoring like a, a, a winning touchdown in overtime to get them into the playoffs or something. It's like, oh, the NFL. Sorry, we're shutting it down. The whole thing gets shut down. That will yeah. basically like the Browns becoming good initiates the apocalypse for the <laughs> NFL. That's what I would suggest. Well, it's it's uh, first of all, I think that is not 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 a crazy uh, scenario. I think that is a very likely scenario because you can feel the apocalypse happening to the NFL. And I think, well, this is really the question I want to ask you. This is really what the Browns update is. All right, there are there are many ways. Obviously, you can look at this Browns draft. I tend to look at this Browns draft and I, you know me, I mean, I've been a Browns fan my whole life. And, and so I'm certainly not overly optimistic about the Browns, uh, you know, mental state or, or their thought process or whatever. But what they did was they drafted Baker Mayfield, number one, overall, a very surprising pick based on uh, where everybody thought it was going to go for the last month or two before the draft. Then with the fourth pick, when everybody thought they were going to take Bradley Chubb, uh, they took Denzel Ward, a cornerback out of Ohio State. Again, uh, a player they like very much, a player that a lot of people like, but a surprising pick in in that way. And then later on, they brought they picked up Nick Chubb, uh, a running back uh, from Georgia, who is very good and is likely to be their starter. I look at this and I'm very, I'm happy. 
I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I I think what they did was they relied on on the the you know football intelligence of the organization as it is now constructed, which I think is is very different. And they didn't let they didn't let pressure affect them. They didn't let outside you know influence affect them. They said, hey, these are the players we like, and these are the players we're going to get. It's very Belichickian to do it that way, right? To not let the outside influence. Right. On the other hand, they had two of the top four picks and by most people's estimation they got none of the top four players in the draft they took two players that they almost certainly could have gotten lower they probably could have gotten Mayfield with the fourth picks which which seems like a waste with the first and they probably you know could have gotten a ward you know somewhere around 10 if they wanted to trade out um so so there, so while I'm in this Browns bubble, I'm like excited. I'm like, this is great. This is an organization finally with a with a direction, and a, and and I'm I'm a big Mayfield guy. That was my guy from the start. Uh, so I'm I'm like, this is great. This is great. Am I completely fooling myself? Is the question? No, Be- I listen. I, I I know that this is your position that you feel like they could have gotten these guys later. That they didn't get any of the top four players. Blah blah blah. That is you're you're playing like. This, that's a next level yeah. kind of analysis, right? And if right. you're the Browns, you don't want to try to jump to next level stuff. You want to get the first level right because you haven't gotten the first level right in forever. So in my mind, what happened was they identified the quarterback that they thought was the, the best quarterback and yes. another player who is a cornerstone player, uh, the best you know defensive back available in the draft. Right. And they were like, right. we don't care if we could maybe pull off a kind of like Houdini manipulation, you know, trading down, get this guy here, that blah, blah, blah. These are the two guys we want. We have the first pick and the fourth pick. We're not going to mess around. We're going to pick these guys. Like, you know, let's say they, they did, they have determined that Baker Mayfield is their guy. And they, what, what would have happened if they had said, you know, we're going to, we think we can get him fourth. So we're going to trade out of the first pick and, you know, get a whole bunch of cool, awesome draft choices, whatever. And then, the Arizona Cardinals were like, hey, right. Baker Mayfield's our guy. We're trading up to the three spot to take him. And then they don't get their guy. And so yeah. it's like, you know, they in a game of incomplete information, when you're a team that has suffered as long as they have suffered, like, could they have maybe pulled that off? Yeah, maybe. And yeah, Belichick does stuff like that all the time. But Belichick is never operating from a, a like point of complete and utter desperation. Right. Right. Browns are. Belichick always has the has the luxury of saying, I know who my quarterback is and I know who my left tackle is. And I know who I like. So he's he, what he's doing is saying like, Hey, there's a tight end at Rutgers that I want to pick who I think is like a, you know, a a top 50 pick. I think I can get him at pick number 82. So I'm going to trade. It's like, it's a completely different situation. And when you're going for, when you're a moribund franchise, like the Browns are that they're the definition of moribund. You, and you've, you have a number one overall pick in the draft and you see a quarterback at a major school who has like the attitude and the skill and the ability to be like the guy that you imagine changes the entire fortune of your franchise. Just go pick him. Like don't screw around. Just go pick him. I, I feel like if you're a Browns fan, you gotta be happy. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I mean, I think there are arguments that people would say, well, Mayfield uh, is too small and and other issues and and various other, you know, uh, problems uh, with him. You know, but I think you're right. I actually think, I mean, even though Belichick is sort of a wizard about the way he 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 can move in and out because he has his own his own rating system that he treasures and, and prizes over obviously anybody else's. Um, 
I think he's also a a staunch, staunch believer in get the guy you want. Just get the guy you want. It doesn't matter where you pick him, right? It yeah. just doesn't. It doesn't matter. Just get the guy you believe in. So because of that, I'm happy. Not everybody is, and and I want you know. I realize there are Browns fans out there who who can't believe they passed on Chubb uh, with the number four pick, and are not Mayfield people, and think Mayfield is too small, and all the other things, and he's just another Johnny Menzel, um, which I don't think at all. By the way, um, we'll see, but we'll see. But this leads to the other NFL issue at hand. Which is, and normally I wouldn't care about this sort of thing. This sort of thing is not something that normally uh, um, has any impact on my life. However, because it's been just jammed on my throat the last couple of days, what the heck was Tom Brady wearing to that dead <laughs> Met, Ga- Met Gala thing? What what was that? What? Listen, man, what was first that? of all, like, uh, why why does anybody care <laughs> what anyone's care. wearing to the Nobody Met Gala? Right, it's like right. it's it's the Met Gala. The point is to be insane. Like, yes. the point is to wear insane things. You can reasonably ask the question, "Why is anyone attending the Met Gala?" <laughs> well, that's you want to ask that question? Amazing. That's fine. But you can't like if you're going to the Met Gala, you're wearing something crazy. You don't go to the Met yeah. Gala just wearing like a black tuxedo. You wear something crazy. That's the whole point. In fact. You get criticized if you go to the Met Gala and don't wear crazy things. If you are conservative, you that's when you are out of place there. So I I I feel like I it should have been weirder. I'm like the you I that's the reason that you look at pictures of people who are at the Met Gala is to see like who were the crazy thing. I mean, Blake Lively wore a dress that required her to like drive take a special vehicle. It was like she had to get into a bus or something to get there because the dress was so huge. Like, yeah, that's what you want. It's a celebration of, of like crazy over the top couture. So, okay. you know, he's I'm, married. To, he's married to a very famous model. He is yes. into fashion. He likes that world. I I actually felt like his outfit was too conservative. I would have gone a little crazier personally. Okay, okay, I'm I'm with you all the way. Until the it wasn't crazy enough. That outfit was plenty crazy enough. It was. I don't it, know, it, man. I cu- feel like it could have been bright yellow or something. Like I, I would have gone a, uh, you know, I would have <laughs> gone like bright yellow, like a true Toriador. That's what I would have gone with if I were he. <laughs> but not if you were you, though. Not if you were. No, because were I. You. But I wouldn't attend the Met Gala. I'm not a fashionable person. I'm. I'm also not a famous handsome gentleman. Well, he is like that's, <laughs> he's like that's he is famously handsome. If you that are is, a that fam- is my- handsome gentleman who is married to a famously handsome woman who has who and you have both made a tremendous amount of money in part by just being tremendously handsome you yeah. go to events like that and you wear clothes like that you wear like alexander mcqueen or eve saint laurent or whatever and it's like daring and interesting and like i feel like the reaction to it is like missing the whole point of the of the thing it was it's like it's a little bit like someone looking at a football player wearing a football helmet during a football game and saying, why are you wearing that weird thing on your head? It's because, well, that's the thing that you wear in this situation. It's like, yeah, it looks weird to you because you don't know what a football game is, but that's an, that's like a thing that you wear to one of those events. Well, then you can make the argument then that it's a, another Tom Brady success because it was – for a long time, the talk of Twitter, what he was wearing. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, that guy doesn't lose. I don't know. If, I don't know if you're aware of that. That guy doesn't lose ever. Even when he loses football games, he's not losing. He's still well, like he's still winning at life. What happens if the Cleveland Browns take him in the fifth round? Back what way back then? when? 
yes in 1998 or whatever it was um yeah it's a good question i mean that that is a fun what if Uh, of all of the like what ifs that you can play in your life uh, with with athletes right it's like the what happens if this guy this thing goes this way or that guy ends up on that team or this trade doesn't happen or whatever right it is brady is is a fascinating one to do because he wasn't he's a guy who in some in some situations he could have found himself in might never have played the game right he might never have gotten the chance he might that's true. i mean you would imagine that he would have worked his way in at some point to a he would have been in a situation where he would have had the chance to prove himself. But part of the luck involved in him having the career he's had is that not only, I mean, he hit Drew Bledsoe's bad luck was his good luck, but also then he was in a system with coaches and players and stuff who, who like all clicked and worked together. And if he hadn't been on a team like that, who knows? He might've been like, he might've, we might think of him the way we think of like, um, I don't know. I mean, Josh McCown, look at Josh McCown, right? He, he's like 38 last year. And suddenly he was like, oh, Josh McCown can play like that. Like, like he can throw the ball like there are there are certainly it's certainly possible. I've been thinking a lot about luck. Uh, it just in in life recently for various reasons. Uh, and it really is like a, an enormous factor in people's lives. And it's a it's a very underrated facet, I think, of people's lives and of, of like the circumstances of people's birth and the circumstances of like that where their parents happened to move when they were kids, like all that stuff. I mean, and Brady is a prime example of that to me. It's like, he, is he great at what he does? Yeah. He's undeniably, he's maybe the best that's ever done it, but also he got really lucky that he ended up in a situation where that luck was able to translate into actual quality of play. Yeah, absolutely. Although I would make the argument, you know, in, in, I wouldn't even say in Brady's defense because he doesn't need any defense. I I hear a lot about well you know he got the the break because Bledsoe uh, got hurt whatever I think at that point Belichick already knew that he was the future I I think I think by the point the time that Bledsoe got hurt he'd already made him his backup he, he they brought in guys but Brady had already beaten them out I think it was a very much a situation where uh, Belichick looked at Bledsoe not quite the same way he looked at Bernie Kosar in Cleveland but. To the point where he's like, this is coming to an end, and Brady's my guy down the road. So if Bledsoe had gone through and they, you know, finished out the year, assuming they don't win the Super Bowl or or whatever, because I don't think they would have, um, I wouldn't have been surprised if Brady would have been the starter the next year anyway. So I I think I think it's much more interesting the question if he had ended up on a team that didn't know what they were doing, right? How how it would have played out because like he would have been like caught. the Browns, <laughs> right? Oh, that's right. I mean, he would have been caught if he'd been on the Browns. You know, they would have given him sort of a token look at, in during. You know, they, even the even the Patriots put him on the on the taxi squad. Right, his first year wasn't he on the taxi squad? Yeah, he was also his first year on the team. He was the they carried four quarterbacks just to four keep quarterbacks, him. right? Yeah, yeah. So you like know, it, it, I, you, you, it's an argument in your favor. I would say there's a lot of evidence to support your argument that they were like this guy's special. We need to. Keep him around even though yeah. he's very raw absolutely all right now we get to get the most important element of this thing which is um obviously our yankee minute um the yankees lost yesterday we we're doing this on friday uh at about noon the yankees uh actually lost the your your red Sox uh beat them uh in the late innings in in sort of dramatic fashion well not just sort of actually dramatic fashion and <laughs> That broke. What was what was the Yankee winning streak up to that point? What was? Uh, what they were like, seventeen out of eighteen, right? They were seventeen, 17 and one. Out of 
yeah. yeah. They might not lose again. That might be the last time we've seen them. We will see them lose all year. Um, it's it, to call this an emergency is not is does not give emergency a strong enough. <laughs> I mean, this is this is it's a disaster. Well, it's we disaster. knew this was going to happen, though. We we we, t- we knew this was going to happen. This is not a surprise. Like for, what, what we didn't maybe know is that the two. Right now, the two best records in all of baseball are the Red Sox and Yankees. They're tied. They're yeah. identical, like twenty six and eleven. And Toronto, by the way, is pretty good. They're two games yeah. over five hundred. Uh, but and they're they've they've had a last. They're like four and six in their last ten. But they're pretty good. But like the AL East is back to being this like gauntlet Monster. of fire for it people. Is, yeah. like, even Tampa Bay can rake the ball. Like they're they're Which is crazy. Uh, I know it's weird. <laughs> I, it might be a fluke. Who knows? But. It's just it's crazy. Like both the Red Sox and the Yankees have better records than the Astros through forty one games. That's pretty insane. It's nuts. It's nuts. I mean, it's almost like we went back to the nineties. The AL Central, nobody can win anymore, right? The NL Central is this weird mishmash of of a bunch of teams and the Cubs can't figure out, can't get out of their own way, can't figure it out. The Dodgers are uh, a disaster. I mean, the poor Dodgers, man. It's so sad. It's so sad. My poor jerk son is like losing his mind. (laughs) I mean, it is insane. They haven't had Justin Turner all year. They've like Hinjin Ryu has been their best pitcher and he's, uh, he's injured now. Kershaw is, is on the DL with, with like a very scary sounding vague biceps injury. Yes. And and now, and the Corey Seager, like that just stings for baseball, man, to lose Corey Seager for a year, like to lose one of the, one of the like 10 best young players in the game, shortstop on a world series caliber team for an entire year. And probably some of next year, potentially even like, he might not be back until the All Star break of next year, depending he on. He really might not. So I, I mean, it is a, it is a bummer, man. Every, I mean, Turner, uh, Seager, and Kershaw all out at the same time and with significant injuries. It's just like, it's just like that. No one, the only team with higher expectations this coming into this year probably was the Astros. Like you right. could argue the Yankees, maybe who knows? But really, it was like here we go again. This could be Dodgers Astros again. And then to look up and you're 40 games into the season and they're in fourth place in the NL West oh and everybody's gosh. hurt and Seager's out forever. And I mean, it, like Matt Kemp is hitting cleanup for you. <laughs> it's like, it is just the biggest bummer, man. They're looking up at the Giants right now. It stinks. It does. Ugh. It does. Although I'm not going to say I'm unhappy for, for your son because, I mean, he... he it's it's time he learned that it, you know the world is not all happy winning success. Yeah, right? that's I mean, true. You know, that's true. I mean, he's little, like he's very right now casually watching as the as like the the Celtics just dispatch team I know. team that they have no business dispatching. Brad Stevens, <laughs> my gosh, it's insane! It's insane. He's at he's at a charmed life in many ways uh, yeah. uh, on the sports front and should suffer a little bit. I kind of keep thinking that the Dodgers are going to – they're not going to, like, right the ship and become, like, a great, great team. You know, without without uh, Seager, I mean, that's a – you know, who can, who can take that? You know, I mean, who can, who can lose arguably their best player? I mean, I think Turner's their best player. Of course, they already lost him. Um, but one of their best players for the whole year, early in the season, lose him. I mean, it's just crushing – 
and then to lose the you know the best pitcher of the last twenty years uh, for potentially an extended period of time. I mean, but I keep thinking Turner will come back, Kershaw will hopefully come back, and and you know they've got some you know look at this Walker Bueller kid. I mean, he's crazy good and. And, and, you know, it just feels to me like maybe they write the ship, sneak into the playoffs. That would – it's not – I don't think that's out of the realm right now. Not at all. And also, right now, there's no juggernaut in the NL that you can point to in the way that you can point to some in the in the AL. Like, the no, I team, think Arizona's the best team. I mean, Arizona and, might – maybe yes. Arizona may be the best team in the NL in the early going. But, like, you know, they're, they, they, they're not – they don't they, – I no. think that the I think you would say of the teams that have distinguished themselves as championship worthy, most of them are in the American League right now. I don't know if you totally believe in Atlanta because they're so young or Philadelphia. Washington is underperforming. The Cardinals are just kind of doing what the Cardinals do. The Cubs are a little bit of a mess like that. I, I don't know. Like there is totally I mean, it's so early still. It's so early. Right. We're not even a quarter of the way through the season. And like you said, if Turner comes back and Kershaw gets healthy again and Bueller's the real deal, Alex Wood's been pitching okay pretty well. Yep. Like they, you can totally – this team could be 10 games above 500 at the All-Star break and and heading for a playoff spot. So, I, you know, it's not the end of the world. The Yankees, however, are never going to lose again. And it's a, it's a shame because the, like, the, the Red Sox just did, like, just fell apart a little bit. Like they had the lead in all three of those games. Uh, late in the game and and you just realize you were back to this late 90s thing where you it you have no confidence it doesn't matter what the situation they were up four nothing in the seventh last night and i was oh like i was watching the game like oh, oh no here he comes like as soon as as soon as like heath hembry comes in and walks a guy it's like forget it, it the game's over like it's it's shocking to me that they actually won but they only won after the yankees came back and scored four runs in the seventh or eighth or whatever it was to tie it up it just we're back to that. We're back to that thing where well, you just never feel like any lead is safe. Well, and and you're you've you you text me about this pretty much every night. Um, and you're right. Look, they lead the American League in run scored. They're going to lead all of baseball in run scored by a pretty substantial margin. But they lead the American League in run scored. Gary Sanchez isn't hitting. They have no nothing from their first baseman right now, yep. right? Because Bird's out. Neil Walker's there. He can't hit. He's not hitting anymore. He's gone. Uh, Stanton really has not started hitting. I mean, he's 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 lately he's been hitting a little bit better, but he hasn't started hitting. Brett Gardner is a complete waste of a roster place right spot right now. The way he's been playing, and they still lead the league in runs scored. It's like none of it even matters. Yeah, like they could have five guys in torrential slumps. And they still are going to lead the, you know, all of baseball yeah. run score. I mean, so, you shudder to think what happens uh, when, when when Aaron Boone wises up and moves Gliber Torres into the leadoff right. spot or something. Right. And suddenly a guy, instead of a, like a 600 OPS in the leadoff spot, it's a like 850 OPS in the leadoff spot. I mean, it, it like they, they really have three or four spots in the lineup that they're that are dramatically underperforming. And it doesn't matter. They still win every day. So it. You know, if everybody if everybody starts clicking at the same time, and not oh. even not not even like not even having great years, just having like right, average just good years, years. exactly, yeah. just yeah, average years. It's You're gonna right. be it's gonna be the ninety nine Indians basically oh. all over again. All right, so so what we need to decide, what we need to decide, how could this Yankees team lose? 
Like, how could it happen? Obviously, playoff time, anything can happen. Um, the one thing I think that has been surprising about the the Yankees it really has been in a negative way, not that it's affected them from a one-loss record at all, is that bullpen hasn't been that good. Like, that incredible bullpen that we were all predicting. I mean, it's been good. You know, this Chapman's throwing 103 again. And I mean, it's still good. It's it's not it's still strength, but it's not like this legendary bullpen uh, so far that I think a lot of us thought that rotation. I mean, it's still I mean, Severino's obviously for real and great. But I mean, Sabathia, can this can he do this forever? I, I don't I don't know. So maybe I mean, it's like, is that the only hope really is that pitching sort of lets them down? I think it's two things. I think it's that like that they're the, the the pitchers who are overperforming currently, and there are some of them. I mean, obviously Sabathia. The Red Sox got to Sabathia last night, but the Red Sox are a very good hitting team. Yeah, they're but, really you are. know, he's I mean, he's driving me crazy. He's thirty eight. He turns thirty eight <laughs> this year. He doesn't throw harder. He never throws a pitch harder than eighty nine. He's basically nope. he's like slightly he's a giant like puffier Jamie Moyer at this point <laughs> somehow and he and no one can hit him he he gets the weakest contact in the league he somehow he just is he's like Andy he's, Andy Pettit might be a better comp late late yeah. career Andy Pettit late career so, Andy Pettit but like those guys you know those precision pitchers like if they're slightly imprecise they get knocked around because they're not throwing hard so I think it's like they're he he like falls apart a little bit and gets roughed up every time he goes out there and Tanaka continues to give up home runs at a ridiculous rate. And then, yeah. And then those guys like, you know, Chapman is, is kind of a streaky pitcher and Batances looks like he's kind of a mess. I think the answer to how they lose is starts with their pitching falling apart. And that is weirdly plausible. If there's any hope, if there's any like two meter wide exhaust port in the (laughs) try to bullseye uh, with a, with a, (laughs) with some kind of uh, torpedo, it's it's their pitching like that is the that is the place where they are vulnerable i think yeah i think i think you're right i think it's the only and by the way the death star might you know i mean it's that pitching might end up being great i mean look yeah sunny sunny gray has been pitching terribly he's not that bad a pitcher and he's been very unlucky hit unlucky and all these other things so that could totally improve Guys like Chad Green and and David Robertson uh, are better probably than they've been early in this year. I mean, the the, the strikeout thing is insane with those guys. Uh, you know that that staff could end up being just fine, and and then there then then there's no hope. You know, then there's no hope. I mean, really, <laughs> yeah. That's that's how you look at it. I mean, I it's I, there's I cannot come up with even like a jokey scenario where i could find that lineup not scoring runs i just there's no, i don't no right and, i mean there's, yeah i mean could it be? Uh, the only i mean it, who knows about injuries you're taking injuries out of the equation i assume but right. there, oh, there's yeah. there's there's one the one scenario where uh the one scenario where they don't score as many runs as we think they are to me it's a it's a combination platter of like Didi Gregorius comes back to earth. Didi Gregorius was a major league OPS leader like a week ago. <laughs> and now he's he's 0 for his last 24, and obviously he's not nearly that bad. He's just in a he's in a weird funk right now. But he also like isn't shouldn't be an eleven hundred OPS hitter. He's a no. He as you wrote recently, he was not even supposed to he wasn't supposed to be hit at all 
at all <laughs> regard not a, much less be the major league OPS leader through a month and a half. So he maybe comes back down to earth a little bit. And then, you know, you talk about Stanton, like Stanton. Yeah. He had 59 home runs last year. Stanton also does this, what he's done in the first like month yes, and a half of the year. Yes. This isn't out of character. For him. No, it's not yeah, no, like it's having, not. having a month where he strikes out, you know, 42 times in a month and hits and hits like seven home runs. But like, essentially has no other hits like that is that's a Stanton month that has happened so yeah there is a where there's a world where like at the end of the year Stanton has like an 840 OPS and it's all home runs like there's no consistent you know single double hitting at all and he struck out 185 or 200 times and like those home and, and like if those home runs aren't timely those home runs come in games where they're already up nine nothing or whatever then ultimately he's not really adding that much to the team. And like, so, you know, it's, there is, there is a world where, you know, Gary Sanchez continues to sort of have a terrible year and and he ends up with 35 home runs too, but his defense is still kind of suspect and he's not hitting at all. Like it's plausible that this super team it you know ends up leading the league in runs, breaking the all time home run record for a team. And also, all in all, not not doing as well as we thought they would have done. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. I think the the, the problem is, I mean, if, if we're being, you know, look, it's plausible that a lot of those things can happen. Um, all of them happening at once is is getting less plausible. Yeah. But also, your point about Stanton is right. Stanton has these kinds of months all the time, but then he has the 18 home run months, right? So we're right. we're hoping that he doesn't have one of those that's he probably will he probably will he'll probably have one of those yeah. months oh of course where he, it's 480 and, and with with 18 home runs and his player of the month and all that so and i don't think sanchez is going to keep hitting like this i mean his defense i think there comes there could come a point where that defense could be enough of a problem that uh, i mean look there are things he does very well defensively right he throws great and 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 there are things that he does very well defensively but but he does make a lot of like like he hurts the team yeah. quite a bit with that defense. So yeah. maybe maybe that's a scenario that has something. But I mean, we're just basically here's the good news. I mean, for you and I think for for you know us us people who don't like the Yankees, I think the Red Sox are really really good. I don't I don't think this is like just some crazy out of character start. I think we talked about this last year. They won 90, whatever, what, 92 games last year? 93. And 93 games. And a, a lot went wrong. A whole lot went wrong. Well, they couldn't team. hit. That's the, the interesting hit. thing is they won 93 games last year and had like the fewest home runs in the league. And now like Mookie Betts is, is, is the actual oh. major league OPS leader right now. Yeah. And Xander Bogarts is back and healthy. And they have J.D. Martinez, who so far has been exactly what you – he's a 1,000 OPS hitter right now. So, yeah. like, they, they, they won 93 games last year with essentially this exact pitching staff. You know, Porcello, Sale, and Price. Price has also pitched terribly so far because apparently he played so much Fortnite that he has <laughs> developed carpal tunnel. I love that story. I love that now, story. He's, he's, now, for the record, he's claiming it's not Fortnite that did it, but, like, it's definitely <laughs> Fortnite that did it. Uh so you like they yeah that's the, the they had this exact team minus JD Martinez last year won 93 games and didn't hit at all right. they hit for no power and now they're hitting and so they're on pace to win way more than 93 games so <laughs> like they it 
the fun of this is, and I and I hate that the Yankees are good, obviously, but the fun of it is it feels like, you know, the Red Sox took two out of three at Fenway. The Yankees took two out of three at the stadium. It feels like this is going to be one of those years where they're just going back and forth. They're within three games of each other all year. They're like, you know, they're fighting and scraping and clawing, and we, we're going to have some fun series in August and September that matter a lot for the division. And it, and also in, in the first series of the year, they fought each other on the field. That was kind of exciting. Yes. <laughs> like it, it does feel like there's a little bit of a rejuvenated rivalry, which is, which is fun. I think it's fun. I mean, look, I mean, I, I think what's easy to forget is how long it's been since we've had a really good Red Sox Yankees rivalry. Cause the Yankees have not been that kind of good for, for a long time, really. I mean, they've been, they've been sort of a dry, boring, good. And the Red Sox have been, so crazy up and down that it's been I mean I think you have to go back a long time I, I know there are plenty of people that are that are right now saying oh I'm sick of the Yankees Red Sox of oh you know it's 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 all we ever hear about but realistically you probably have to go back a decade before we you know since we've had like a real Yankees Red Sox rivalry like potentially we could have this year so yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty cool I think it's pretty cool all right one more thing and then and then I think we want to pick a our podcast player uh, in advance of our, our, our starting the podcast. But I, I, I really just thought of this. We ought to have a Nick Offerman Chicago Cubs section of this podcast. Don't you think like oh, a little great idea. Yes. one minute thing just for Nick um, Cubs are 19 and 15 as we are speaking right now. And they are freaking weird. They're just weird. Yeah. They, they're, not hitting at all. I mean, really. I mean, they they're still fourth in the league in runs, still third in the league in uh, uh, batting average, fourth and on base percentage, two in slugging, which would suggest they're really hitting. But when they've gone into their slumps, which they have throughout the season, it's because they can't score runs. It's weird. They're just a weird that that team should absolutely lead the National League in runs scored. Right. I mean, you look at that lineup. I just think they're odd. I, I can't I can't get my arms around him yet. It is a weird, absolutely the the weirdest story of the first 40 games to me yeah. is the Chicago Cubs. I don't understand them. I don't like I, I it seems like you, you I keep seeing highlights of various players doing amazing things. Yeah. And you think like, yeah, right, they're the Cubs, they're amazing. And then you look up and they're like 19 and 15. And right. the, you know, they 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 they'll score eight runs in an inning. And you know Chris Bryant is mashing the ball, but then you're like, but they don't win. What are they? How are they not winning? I don't understand it. I, like it's a, it's very weird. It, it they it doesn't feel like they have an identity right now. Like yeah. for a while, I think still Javier Baez is their best hitter. Somehow that shouldn't be true. I, you know it, and it, I guess it is one of those things where like the team is just a little bit different, right? Like Arietta's gone, and and the you know the the young core is still there, but. But they, it, it just something shifted. And again, it's early. It's so early. It's it seems silly to say this or to, to read too much into it. But I agree. I feel like they should be absolutely running away with that division. And instead, they're like in third place. And the Cardinals seem to be a better team. And and they just they don't they seem like they're they have a, like a malaise. Like there's a it's, like a like a cloud of like of of disinterest has sort of settled over that stadium and they can't break out of it. It's so bizarre. I'm looking at their their schedule because I mean I've been following this all year and I've never seen it quite this way. They have scored 10 or more runs in a game uh 3 4 5 6 times. 
six times this year, seven times, seven times this year, they've scored uh, 10 or more runs in a game, which is, you know, that's, that's Cubs baseball with this, with this lineup. And I'm not even going to count all the times they've scored one or no runs in a game. I mean, it's like, or two runs that they went through a stretch where they lost five in a row where they scored one, two, two, six, three in those, in those five games. And the the week before they won a bunch of games where they didn't score, they won what six in a row, five in a row where they didn't score more than three runs in any of the games. So, you know, they they're either like pouring it on what they just had like a nine run inning, like last night or, or, or a couple of days ago. I can't remember. Um, or they don't score at all. They're just bizarre. I can't yeah, figure I just, it. But I, but I'll tell you who I'm pointing it to, and I, and I mean this in, in you know, because I've always thought, look, that's Chris Bryant's team. He's amazing. He's 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 a great player. If Schwarber can hit, you know, we we know how much fun Javi Baez is. You know what? That's kind of Anthony Rizzo's team. It's kind of Anthony Rizzo's team, and he has been really, really. He has struggled terribly the first month yeah. and a half. And I and I do wonder if that's kind of at the heart. I mean, it's just one player. I mean, they have other guys who are, are struggling. Um, but I don't know. Rizzo just seems to me like it's like I can't figure out what's wrong with Rizzo and I can't figure out what's wrong with the Cubs. And I wonder if it's the same thing. It might be. It's also worth noting that like you know, Rizzo's one thing. Like Rizzo, Rizzo has a 6.53 OPS as as we say this out loud today <laughs> here on Friday, and that will change. That is not going to be the case. Yes. He's had a bad first 40 games. He will probably end up at the 900 OPS by the end of the year. Uh, whatever. But Jason Hayward has a 6.50 OPS, and it might be Ooh. time to say that that's what Jason Hayward is, yeah. and which is sad. Um, and also, by the way, Addison Russell has like a 700 OPS and it's getting close to the time where we start saying that's who Addison Russell is. Yeah, and, that's true. And, and Ian Happ, who hit a home run on the first pitch of the year, uh, is, uh, you know, that was great. He's got a 720 OPS and Contreras has a 730 OPS and Almora has a 750 OPS. And you basically have and, you know, Zobrist is doing his normal thing, but he's at 769. You have a lot of guys, especially up the middle on this team, second base, center field, shortstop, you know, Hayward's in right, but, you know, catching. You have a lot of guys who were sort of like league average players, like as as good as, you know, Schwarber, Baez, Bryant, as good as those guys are. Those guys have to be good, and Rizzo has to be good again because they weirdly have, in terms of their bats, they weirdly have a lot of kind of average hitters on this team. And it's like, you don't think of it that way. You think of the lineup as, as so deep and, and, you know, one through nine and blah, blah, blah. But like Ben Zobrist is like their third best hitter right now or something. (laughs) And Ben Zobrist is, you know, is 36 and he's like a utility guy, but he's a good utility guy, but he, that can't be the case. You can't have Ben Zobrist be the third best hitter on your team and, and expect to, to make a lot of noise. So, I think it's not just Rizzo. I think it's just that I think there's a lot of guys in the lineup who are kind of doing what they do. And in order for the team to be consistent and to score runs like uh, on a regular basis, they the other, the stars on the team have to be real stars. They've got to like yeah. really, really step up. And right now, Baez is and and uh, Bryant is, but Rizzo is definitively not. And Russell might never. I don't know if Addison Russell, you think of him as like a star, as like an all-star shortstop, but Look right. at his numbers. He is not. He has never been that guy 
at the plate. He just is not, that's not who he is. And I don't think it's going to be who he is ever. Well, I mean, you know what? I mean, I, I still think, you know, at the heart of it is certainly Rizzo, but it's a great, great point about Russell. Russell, you remember, it's not been that long. Look, when they won the World Series, for sure, uh, you know, he hit 21 home runs, played really good defense, and he was, what, 22, 21, 22 years old. And you heard people like saying, oh, what an amazing time it is for shortstops with with Seager and Lindor and, and uh, Correa and Russell. No, no. I mean, it's clear Russell is not anywhere near that category of player. I mean, I think you thought he's going to develop into a – do you remember when when uh, when he first came up, there was sort of a discussion of which guy was more likely to win an MVP award, Bryant, uh, Baez, or Russell? Right. Like, like, like all three of them were in the discussion, and I think you're 100% right. Addison Russell is now developing into who he is, which is kind of a mediocre hitting, good fielding shortstop. I mean, that's kind of – that's kind of what he's becoming. Not that there's anything wrong with that if the rest of the team is hitting, but but I think they were counting on him for more than that. Yeah, I mean, look, he's 24, and when Didi Gregorius was 24, everybody said that guy will never hit in the majors. And that's then right. Oh, that's now right. He's, like the, he's like fifth in the league in OPS, so who knows? Like, anything's possible. But Addison Russell is 24, and he's had 1,600 or so plate appearances in the majors, and he has a 91 career OPS plus. He's never been a league average hitter OPS wise. He's never been a league average hitter. That's a crazy thing to say. He had 21 home runs as essentially a a second year player in uh, 2016. And he was, he was top 20 in the MVP voting and he was an all-star and it was like the future is so bright, but he, he was worse the next year than last year. Um, He only played in 110 games, but He's now through 33 games this year is worse than he was last year. So it's like at some point you have to say like this guy, he did have 21 home runs as a 22 year old uh, in the league. That's great. But, you know, he's never been he's never had an OPS that was league average. So I you know that there is a they do. It's not like they they are not the deepest team. They're not the deep team, the super deep team offensively that you think of when you think of the Cubs. It's a right. What happens? Right. It'll be interesting. The other thing they they have to have is you Darvish. He, they have to have him come yeah. through because the rest of that rotation is not going to hold up. Um, all right. Uh, so now let's pick our. Let's see if we can pick our podcast player and uh, and uh, then we'll call it a day. So I have a nominee. I mean, I have, I've, there people have been sending in lots and lots of nominees. Just uh, to, we should it. set this up just just so everyone knows if you if you're new to the podcast. And by the way, what are you doing? <laughs> if that's true. What are you doing? Go do something. What else. are you doing? Seriously. Last do year else, we bro. adopted Tommy Pham of the St. Louis Cardinals as our yeah. official player of the podcast because we wanted him to ha- hit, have a 300, 400, 500 season. 300 or, average, 400 OBP, and 500 slugging. Or as we like to call it, the, the fam. fam. Yeah. We wanted him to do the fam. And we became fams of his. Fams. Of his. And before that, we had un- unofficially, the year before, we had unofficially adopted Matt Scissor of the Cubs, <laughs> then of the Cubs, as our official player, just because we liked his last name. So right. the idea here is we're now going to pick an official mascot player and like give a weekly update or a bi-weekly update, I suppose, on that player's progress. So now we're now accepting nominees and we're going to try to pick a player who we will then follow avidly for the rest of the year. Well, I want to throw one at you, and this is this is a little bit uh, – it, it's somewhat trying to repeat 
what we did last year because I think becoming families was was such a it was such a an enriching part of our lives. Um, I wanted to find a player who is uh, you know at least in the early going threatening to get a fam to threatening to get sure. 300 400 500 who would you would never expect to get one great never expect love it and i'm gonna i've got it jorge soler of the kansas city royals now soler came over to the royals in uh a trade a couple of years ago uh when the royals were beginning to uh you know to dismantle their world series championship team they traded wade davis to the cubs and they got Jorge Soler, who at the time was considered a pretty massive prospect, although there were plenty of people who who uh, already were questioning him. But from Cuba, he was a hugely touted uh, player out of Cuba uh, who got signed for a lot of money, and then uh, and then kind of he just didn't make enough contact and and fell, got injured, and he sort of fell down the way and all that. Right now, as we speak, Jorge Soler is hitting three twenty eight. 437, 543 in uh, early goings for a horrendous Royals team, by the way, for a terrible, <laughs> terrible Royals team. So he is the only thing at this point that you're really rooting for with that Royals team. Um, Jorge Soler, I nominate him for our podcast player. It's a great nomination. He was also on my short list. Um, there's, okay. a, there's one problem with Jorge Soler. Jorge Soler... Last year, now granted, he only played in 35 games last year. He only had 97 at bat, so you know, small sample size warning. Yes. Last year, he had a 503 OPS. <laughs> he, 503 the, OPS, the, and and his highest OPS in any year. Well, his first year in only 24 games, he had a 903 OPS. But in this two, what you would call full seasons, which aren't really full seasons, 101 games and 86 games with the Cubs in 15 yeah. and 16. He he had a he, he had a 723 OPS and a 769 OPS. My point is the chances of this being a fluke are very high. <laughs> so <laughs> we get, we, high. Like, we could high. we could yeah. do this, and, and I and I I like Jorge Soler as a player. Uh, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's exciting. He's fun guy to root for. I would be happy to do it. It's also fun to root for a guy on a moribund franchise, uh, as the Royals are this year at least. Um, I just feel like we might we might be in for it. Now, granted, if we you had said, if you had said we should root for Tommy Pham to hit 300, 400, 500 at last year, you would, you would have also seemed crazy. So, you know, that might be the right move. Now I, I have a couple other pitches. Um, okay. One of them is a, is a sort of uh, emotional pitch, which is Jed Lowry, Jed Lowry, oh, former yeah. Red Sox uh, and former Astro um, twice, former Astro current Oakland day. Jed Lowry was always, always a pretty good prospect and was just always hurt. He just it was constantly hurt. He would get hurt in the weirdest ways. It would be normal injuries, hamstring, this, knee, that, elbow, whatever. But then also like a snake would bite him and he would miss 20 games or something. He would just, he literally, it, 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 it was crazy. He was just couldn't stay healthy and he would get hot sometimes. He had a 900 OPS in 2010 with the Red Sox uh, in only 55 games because he couldn't <laughs> stay healthy. But he was always like, "Oh, if only that guy can stay healthy." Now, on a on a like surprisingly better than you would think A's team that so far this year, like a 500 A's team, he's at 338, 400, 579. He's never hit 300 in a year. He's never had a 400 on base percentage in a year. He's never had a 500 slugging percentage in a year, except for the, that one year, 2010, in only 55 games. So the, again, the chances of this holding up are minimal. But that was my sort of like my emotional pick. 
And then my, yeah. my, my, I think my actually official, this is who I think we should go with pick is Andrelton Simmons. So, uh, yeah. So Simmons is the best defensive shortstop, like in the history of baseball. He's insane. Uh, he's insane. He's an utter joy to watch. He's, it's so fun. That Angels team is really fun this year and not just because of it, uh, largely because of Otani, but Otani, Trout is being Trout and Otani's amazing and so fun. And the Angels are really fun. And Simmons is having so far, by far, his best year ever at the plate. He's at, he's at 351, 410, 511. Again, way above his career averages. But he is a guy, because of how good he is in the field, he's a really fun guy to root for. So I, I'm going to officially nominate Simmons uh, as our guy this year um, because it's fun to watch that Angels team and because it would be cool if he could take what was a like a, an incredible defensive career and also add to it an incredible offensive season. That's my official. Oh. Do we have, do, by the way, should we have people vote on this? I'm, I I'm, was just thinking that I think we ought to have a vote. We ought to have a Twitter vote where we, we put all three of them up actually, because I think that you make a, you make a, a persuasive case for Jed Lowry. Um, I would make the argument. If, if, so if I, if my vote, uh, if it counts, um, I would make the argument that Andrelton Simmons is too good to be a podcast player because even and, though he's, like he's too he's like, too like well known or something. Well, he's he, he he was a legitimate MVP candidate like last year. It's like he he's 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 somebody that that is better like coming into the podcast discussion than anybody we've ever chosen before, which would be two people and. Right. Um, and he's and he's well known and and look I love him and he could definitely we could definitely just do a a Andrelton Simmons you know defensive play of the day uh, sure. you know section every week because he's he's insane and he's so much fun to watch but it, I almost I also felt like the podcast uh, player of the year is is somebody that we are actually hoping to promote a little bit so ah. that would be why I would argue uh, Solaire or Lowry whether you want to go with the relatively young. Solaire or the relatively old Lowry uh, to me is very interesting, but I say we put all three on the, on the ballot and uh, anybody else you want to nominate Mitch Hanniger was also in, he's in the mix. You know, Mitch Hanniger is fantastic. He's really good. Yeah. He's really, really good. He is the guy I would say of the four. um, He's the guy who I think could do it. I mean, he's the guy. Well, he's, I mean, it's a little it's a little unfair cuz no one knows who he is cuz he plays for the Mariners and no one cares about the Mariners but he he had a he was a first round draft choice like he's like he's been a prospect yes. for a long time so yes. it's it's a different kind of quote unquote promotion uh you know it's a little bit like promoting uh, like Otani or something <laughs> like he's well, he's I don't baseball think it's quite like that but yeah but you but well look i think Hanager should be much more of a household name uh because of the way he's playing now um, and let's face it. I mean, even though he was, you know, he was a first round pick and all that. I mean, he is 27 and he's only in his what second full year. He hasn't yeah, he actually has not had true. a full year. He's not had a full year. He's, he's not played a hundred games in a season for now. So, so I don't think a lot of people know Mitch Hanniger. So I will, I say we put him on the list too. So we have four right. guys on the pot. I like it. Four guys, four different teams. Do we, did we get a, do we have a national leaguer on the list? Well, they're all American leaguers, aren't I guess they? Yes, they're all American leaguers. And you know what? Tommy Pham and, and Matt Caesar were both. Yeah, they got leaders, nationally so. got us last year, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. I like it. So we'll put those four guys, and then and then obviously whichever one we pick, you know, we're going to need a song. We're, we're obviously going to need a a song for whoever it is that we pick. Um, 
So we'll figure that part out as we go. Uh, and that's great. And so now we are set July 17th when we start uh, our season of the podcast. Uh, do we even want to do a one last meaningless thing for, for this? No, I think uh, let's leave it. This is the meaningless thing, I would say. The, <laughs> the vote for who we adopt. So this is the meaningless thing. And we'll we'll pick it. We'll announce the answer on July 17th. And uh, and we'll carry the podcast for the rest of the year. It'll be great. It'll be great. Well, Mike, right. as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.